going to start with my testimony, and it's not just about I've got the love of Jesus down in my heart, but that is one example of the progress that I've been learning over the past few weeks. In our series, Get Wise, we are reminded that wisdom is the application of knowledge. In other words, we're learning how to apply God's word. Coincidentally, I've been thinking about the progression of praise and worship in my life. How my worship develops out of my praise. So as I praise God for joy and with thanksgiving of all the stuff that he's done, my spirit gets in tune with the Holy Spirit and I progress from simply joy and thanksgiving to reverence and surrender. And that's what worship really is. And looking back, I can see that this progression has happened my whole life in a lot of different ways, like VBS, with a lot, on a lot of different levels and different relationships and situations. It's that going from praise and worship to reverence and awe. Recently, I went through a time where I was feeling kind of stale in my conversations with God. And so I was trying to find a way to make them more genuine and relational. One Sunday, I was reminded simply that we can praise God by just saying his name. And that prompted me to go on the Internet and do a search for all the different names for God, our God, the one true God. And as I was going through that study and reading every name and what it meant... That helped me have more intimate relationship with who God is. The cool thing is the spark that made me go out to the Internet and do that search was the next song our worship team is going to lead us in. And the even cooler mystery is that Leah had picked all the songs excuse me, for this service and ordered them before she knew what I was going to say. And so it brought me to tears to think about this example again of how God creates a tapestry that provides us the opportunity to praise him and just be bouncy and singing, but how the Spirit then will take that to another level of reverence and awe and understanding who he really is so that we can surrender to his awesomeness. So, worship team, will you please lead us in the spirit and in truth on one of my favorite worship songs. Thank you. As our kids are heading out, Rob is going to come up and share a few words with us. Well, uh, this last season, this past season, the thing I'm probably learning the most about wise worship is that it all starts with stopping. In Psalm 46.10, it says to be still and know that I am God. And in creation story in Genesis, God creates the humans and he creates them in his image and he creates them with this need and capacity and goal to work 
And so work is good in the creation story, but he creates them on day six. So the very first day that the humans get to enjoy relationship with God is the day of rest. Meaning what I've at least been learning in worship is that God wants us to come to him out of our being, not out of our doing. And if I can't stop, then I can't truly see God at work and truly understand what worship is because it's on day seven that God set it apart, that God rested, that everything was as it should be, and that God was able to call things holy. And so when I stop, it's when I can truly say, God, you're holy. I don't work in this desire to get something from you. I don't work out of this desire to prove my worth to you. I stop out of a desire to praise you. And, and, and truly, if we can't stop in our work, then it can't be worship. Now, the Hebrew word for work and, and worship is the same word. It's evid. It means serve or serving, work or worship, serve or servant. I think I said that one. But the point is, in Exodus 5, if you want to turn there, you, you could... But in Exodus 5, Moses has been called by God to go free the people from the land. And Moses and Aaron approach Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and say to him in Exodus 5, verse 1, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness, so they may worship me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues and with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor, their work? Tell them to get back to work. And then he literally almost doubles their workload. He takes the straw away so that it's harder to work and yet still requires the same amount of effort. And when you are in Egypt, metaphorically, it is when you cannot stop working. And so this has been something that in this previous season that God has been showing me about worship, that if I can't stop, then I truly am acting more like Pharaoh and more like Egypt and less like what God intended in the garden. So Sunday evenings are when I remind myself and I pray with my family that God is always at work and that when we make up the next morning, all we do is have to join him and respond to where he's at work. We don't have to, we don't have to strive, we don't have to struggle, and we don't have to work on our own and in our own strength to initiate something that we can simply respond to God. It's when We can truly relax. And then this present season, what God has been teaching me is what you've already heard a couple times, and that wise worship is surrender. And in Genesis 22, Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son he loves. Now, we're told in Genesis 22 that it's a test, but Abraham isn't told it's a test. All Abraham knows is the gut-wrenching tension between the love and dedication that he has for his son and the love and devotion he has for his God. And it's in those moments where we have to, where I'm learning, that I have to surrender and believe that there's a God who desires something so good for me that I have to give up what I think is good for myself. 
And when I do that, he truly meets me in it. Near the end of the story, God intervenes in Genesis 22, and God says to Abraham, now I know that you've withheld nothing from me, even your son, your only son, the son you love, and now I will do all the things that I have promised for you. And it's in those moments where I learn that worship is about surrendering what I love most to the God who loves me enough to give up his son, his only son, the son he loves, Jesus. And so I have to surrender the things I love most. But that's what I've been learning about worship. Well, as most of you know, I don't, I don't stand up here often. <laughs> and when this opportunity came up for me uh, to speak on wise worship, I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then I was like, oh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> And I, I, I like to hide behind my guitar. And I, I actually thought about bringing it up here with me, but I thought that might just be awkward for everyone as I'm you know, walking around with my guitar. So if I do awkward things with my hands, I'm sorry. If I just like go like this, I'm sorry. Um, no, but over the past few weeks, we've been through in this series called Wise, or Get Wise. And we've gotten to see bits of Proverbs, and hopefully some of you have been reading along through Proverbs this month. We've had this thing going on Facebook where read a proverb a day because there's 31 chapters and there's 31 days in the month. So if you haven't joined us in that, we would love for you to join us in that. You, you get that on Facebook every, every morning to remind you what proverb to read. But some of the things that we have seen and heard about are how to be wise in our work, wise with our wealth, wise parents, wise marriages, and I get to wrap it all up today. And as I've been thinking, I had this really cool moment, as I, I like to do, I like to procrastinate. And I just kept kind of putting off, thinking through what I wanted to talk about today. Because there's so many things when it comes to worship that I would love to share with you all, but there's just too much to do in one day. But as, as I was praying and thinking on, on um, Friday morning, I just had this moment where it all just came together. And how the connection between wisdom and worship is so intertwined and can't even be separated. But before I go further, I wanted to share this poem, which is also a prayer. Uh, Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament professor who writes these poems slash prayers for his classes and his church that he preaches at. And it's, it's been a book called Odd to Heaven, Rooted in Earth, if, if this is an amazing resource if you guys ever are looking for something. But I'm actually going to read the, the poem that is called Odd to Heaven, Rooted in Earth. And it, it speaks to just this tension that we live in in our world between our world and what God has called us to. So let me read this. Odd to Heaven, Rooted in Earth. We are the ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. We flip off this series of words too readily, but they are precious words to us because they tell the whole tale of our life and we savor them. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Made new, made innocent, made possible. More than that, these words that tell our truth bind us to you and to your passionate truthfulness. 
While the words linger sweetly on our lips, we are summoned beyond ourselves as we always are summoned to you in awe and doxology and exuberance. Summoned past ourselves to you only to say hallelujah, God of heaven. Hallelujah, still the same forever. Hallelujah, slow to chide, swift to bless. Hallelujah, gladly all our burdens bearing. When we sound these ancient cadences, we know ourselves to be at the threshold with all your creation in heaven and on earth. Everyone from rabbits and parrots to angels and seraphim. Hallelujah. Angels teaching us to adore you. And then in the middle of our praise, which causes us to float very lightly, we are jarred and sobered. Dwellers in time and space, in time when we find the finances are stretched too thin. Hallelujah. In time when our sickness lingers longer than we hoped. Hallelujah. In place where the innocent are hungry and dying. Hallelujah. In place where we don't know who to trust. Hallelujah. This is how it is when we praise you. We join the angels in praise and we keep our feet in time and place, awed to heaven, rooted in earth. We are daily stretched between communion with you and with our bodies, spent but alive, summoned and cherished, but stretched between. And we are reminded that before us, there has been this one truly divine, truly human, dweller in time and space. We are thankful for him and glad to be his company. Hallelujah. Amen. As I read this, I see, like I said, this tension between our world and God's, between our desires and his. And as I look back at what we've talked about in this series, I realize that each topic that we've talked about is a battle, a battle between what God's word says and a battle with what the world says. And I loved, if you guys were gone or were here for when Greg was speaking, I loved his popular parenting proverbs. They were these kind of funny, I mean, they really were funny, things that our world tells us how we should be raising our children. You should go back and listen to that. I'm not going to go into the details. But it's so true that the world tells us to live our lives a certain way, and God tells us to live it another way. And there's this, this battle to live in our world but not of it. So I'm going to read Romans 12.1 and dive into how this applies to the worship in our life. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we see a few things in this. First, this is Paul. He is writing a letter to a group of of believers, and he is addressing worship. And here he says, bring your entire body. So when we think of our entire body, you know, we think of our hands, our feet, our arms, our legs, our head, you know, the physical things that we see. But we also think about the mind and our heart, our spirit, our soul, all of the things that encompass our body and who we are. And then he calls us to take that entire body and to bring that as a living sacrifice. 
And if you were with us during our series earlier this year on Epic, or called Epic, we talked a little bit about the, the Jewish tradition of um, bringing a sacrifice, bringing an animal, a lamb or a dove, to be sacrificed by the priest, so that as that blood poured out, your sins were forgiven, at least for a certain amount of time until you had to do that again. So Paul is talking to these people who would understand what a sacrifice is. But he's not calling us to bring an animal sacrifice. He's calling us to bring ourselves. And not as a sacrifice to be dead, but a sacrifice to be living. When we do this, he calls us to bring ourselves so that we might walk in the newness of life with Christ. He goes on to say that when we do this, it is our spiritual worship. And as I was doing some reading about what spiritual worship is, because I was a little, you know, we have our spirits and, and we worship, but what, or, and we sit, yeah, we worship, but what, what are those together? And I, I learned that this word spiritual can also mean logical or reasonable. So he is talking about a logical or reasonable worship. When we see that our whole body is a living sacrifice that we bring, that then is a reasonable or logical response, which is worship, to who God is and what he's done for us. So what is a living sacrifice? What does that look like? I think that... This was the moment, the cool moment that I had on, on Friday morning as I was getting ready was the things that we've been talking about in our Get Wise series are those things. The sacrifice that Rob talked about in his testimony. The things that the world calls us to, but God doesn't. Giving up those worldly things every day of our life is what being a living sacrifice looks like. Getting wise is not a list of things to do, but it is seeking God's will in the things that we do. Things such as being wise with our wealth, being wise with our parenting, being wise in our work. And wisdom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Proverbs 8. And here wisdom is given a voice. Wisdom is speaking to us. And he says, And now my children listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. So as we listen for wisdom in all the things we do, we become worshipers in all that we do. Because worship is not about coming to church to sing songs. Though so I love that. In fact, the, the word worship, and, I, and Rob actually, you keep stealing things that I was going to say, because uh, he was talking about how worship, the word worship is, isn't just worship, but it is our attitude, it is our actions, it is our gestures, it is all that we do with our body. So by seeking wisdom, we are then worshiping. And we are people who are seeking God's wisdom in all that we do through our actions and our gestures and our attitudes. I got an opportunity a couple weeks ago to be at a conference 
a worship conference, and I learned a bunch of things that I was super excited to come back and share with you, but one of the things they, they told us was don't go back and just like dump everything on your congregation because it's a lot to take in. It was a lot for me to take in. But there is one thing I want to share with you this morning and that I'm going to leave you with, and it was this quote. We should not come to church to worship. We should come to church worshiping. This is because we are called to worship in everything that we do. We don't come and show up on a Sunday morning to worship God and then go on our way through the week, but we should be worshiping our God through our week, and we should come already worshiping. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who does not leave us alone, even when we want you to. You are a God who challenges us. You challenge us to be wise, not because of what the world says, but because of what you say. So God, would you help us, would you guide us through our week, through our day, as we worship you in all the things that you tell us to do, all the things that we have to do. And God, would our actions be a blessing to you? And would we worship you in spirit and in truth? 